It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we'll recap the Barracuda's only game of the week with highlights, and we'll speak with Haley Moore, the Vice President of Hockey Operations for the American Hockey League, as we prep for this upcoming Sunday's Hockey is for Everyone game. After a 6-3 loss to the Bakersfield Condors last Wednesday, the Barracuda had a full week off before taking on the Condors for the seventh time on the 10-game season series. This time, the game shifted from SAP Center to Shark's Ice, as Wednesday's game was a makeup for a game that was supposed to be played back in late December. Just 46 seconds into the opening period, Condor's defenseman Vincent D'Arnay was called for slashing, and on the ensuing power play at 1.15 of the first period, John Leonard would get things started for the Barracuda. Before playing it back into the Barracuda zone. So the Barracuda on a power play here in the early stages. John Leonard will carry it in handoff of her back to Leonard, works it, and he scores! A power play goal for John Leonard, sneaks one through the wickets of Stuart Skinner, and the Barracuda drop first blood one minute and 15 seconds into the opening period. At 7.28 of the opening frame, the Condors would manage to tie the scores. James Hamblin would tip in his 13th of the year. Condors win the offensive zone. Draw Samarukov gets around his man. Fired on target and they score. Yanni Kaldas was the one who shot it towards the net. Was it tipped in front is the question, but we're tied at 1-1. After one period of play, the game would remain tied at 1-1. And just one minute into the second period, on the first shot of the frame, Philip Broberg would give the Condors a 2-1 lead with his third of the season. He centered that line with Perlini and Seth Griffin. Brody last year really had a breakout season. At 21 goals, led the AHL in that department, won the Willie Marshall Award, but he played a lot on the wing, and when we spoke to Ryan Holt, the voice of the Condors last year. There's a shot from the point. They score. Broberg skips one off the iron and in. And the Condors take their first lead of the night. Kind of a seeing eye shot from Philip Broberg. Not a lot behind it. And it's off of the post and in. The Barracuda will go on to their third power play of the hockey game in the second period. And at 9-14, Artemi Kinyazev would feather a pass along for Joachim Blickfeld, and Blickfeld would snap one in to tie the score at 2-2. Boy, back down the length of the ice. Kinyazev from right to left, 25 and teal. Seed pass, has a man, Blickfeld, a step, works in, he scores! All right, Chummy Kenyaza brought the puck through center. 
He got the penalty killers for Bakersfield. Kind of sleeping through the neutral zone, and he seems to pass behind him to Blickfeld, who catches it in stride, and he snaps one. Top corner, far side, and we're tied at 2-2. At 12.54, in his first game back after sitting out 14 straight with a facial injury, Nick Chichek would make his presence felt as he direct in his third of the season to give the Barracuda back a one-goal lead. Second period, tied at 2-2. Kept up wing side, has a man Broberg. Sales went over the mark, had time and space. Now it wraps around the wall. Raska's not going to get there in time. The Skinner comes out and plays the puck, turns it over. Raska put it just wide. Skinner came out to play the puck. He muffed it. And now a chip through. Chichek, he scores! But just 20 seconds later, the Condors had managed to tie the score back up at 3-3 on James Hamblin's second of the game. Muff the puck nearly led to a goal from Raska. The Barracuda stayed with it. Chichek pitches and now a chance back the other way and Hamblin scores. So the Condors answer back almost immediately. And we're back level at now 3-3. The game would remain tied at 3-3 going into the third period. The Condors would go onto the power play four times in the third period, including a couple five-on-three opportunities. But during four-on-four play at 18:25 of the third, Nick Merkley would break the deadlock to give the Barracuda a 4-3 lead. Puck got ramped into the air. Shot back to the point. Hallway goes DDD for Hatika. Down low, Nick Merkley pulls it in, looks for the backhand wrap, spins a forehand shot, he scores! <laughs> Merkley took it from below the goal line, went for a backhand wrap, instead of pulling the trigger, he changed direction, he opened up Skinner, and he slid it through the five-hole on the forehand. And Nick Merkley's got goals in three straight. The Barracuda take a 4-3 lead with a buck 35 remaining in regulation. The goal for Merkley was his third in as many games as he had already extended his point streak to four games with an assist earlier in the contest. The Barracuda would seal the victory as Artemi Kenyazov would score an empty netter with one second remaining in regulation. Turns, pivots, can't clear it out of the zone. Moroni works to the top of the dot, back checking. Weiger, now an empty net chance, and it's just wide. Two seconds remaining. Kenyazov scores! All right, Chubby Kenyazov, a buzzer beater, and the Barracuda are going to win this game by a final score of 5 to 3. Zach Amon picked up his second win of his career, making 23 stops on 26 Bakersfield shots, as Stuart Skinner would suffer just his third career loss against the Barracuda allowing four goals on 28 shots. During the game, the Oilers and Sharks made a trade as Bakersfield goaltender Alex Stalock was sent to the Sharks in a deal that included future considerations from San Jose. Stalock had skated with Bakersfield in the morning and instead of joining the Condors on the bus following the game, stayed back to join his new team, the Sharks. For Stalock, it's his second stint within the organization. Stalock was a fourth-round pick of the Sharks back in 2005. When we come back, we'll be joined by Haley Moore, the VP of Hockey Operations for the AHL. This is Cuda Confidential. Unlock an easier way to schedule your team of all-star employees. No spreadsheets. No hassle when team members want to swap shifts. 
and fast substitutions when staff call out sick. With Deputy, it's simple and lightning fast to create and share employee schedules. It's how over 250,000 workplaces are making life easier. From restaurants to retailers, to hotels and healthcare clinics. Ready to up your scheduling game? Go to deputy.com forward slash sharks. The Hilton San Jose is the preferred hotel of the San Jose Sharks and SAP Center in San Jose. Experience something new. Close to home or from across the world, the Hilton San Jose is there for you with memorable offers and experiences. Enjoy the brand new guest rooms with luxurious Waldorf Astoria beds and upgraded amenities. We're committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivering an even cleaner stay from check-in to check-out. Visit sanjose.hilton.com now to make your reservation. We are Hilton. We are hospitality. He scores! The San Jose Sharks Audio Network is on 24 hours a day. Whether you're in the office or on the go, make sure that you download the Sharks SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and hit listen anytime. You can also find us on your computer by going to sjsharks.com slash listen. If it's a game broadcast, breaking news, or a player feature, the place to find it is right here on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Now, back to the action. Barracuda Hockey continues now. We're very pleased to be joined by Haley Moore. She's the VP of Hockey Operations for the American Hockey League. Haley, thank you so much for the time. Wonderful to meet you. How are things going? Really good. So nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. But um, yeah, everything's going great right now and really excited to be in San Jose this coming weekend. Yes, we will be hosting you this upcoming Sunday for Hockey is for Everyone Night. It's going to be an awesome celebration and somewhat of a microcosm on where the sport is going, the the expansion of the sport, the growth of the sport, um, and how exciting I think the future is going to be on where the sport and, and the direction of the sport is going. One thing I'm really excited about is our officiating crew. We're going to have a couple of females on the officiating crew. That's something in my seven years with the club we've never had. We've never had a, a female Lions person or a referee. We'll get one of each uh, going into Sunday's game. You're going to drop the ceremonial first puck. We're going to have women's Zamboni drivers. We're going to have our uh, youth program, our, our girl junior sharks. They're going to have a shootout competition during the intermission. So we're going to have lots of different things that are going to accompany this uh, upcoming Sunday. I don't know if you're aware, but it's also our pucks and paws game. So we're going to have dogs in the building oh as well. Gosh. That's so I don't amazing. know if you're a dog fan, but uh, really excited to have you uh, going into this this upcoming weekend. Um, will this be your first trip to, to the Bay Area? Yes, it will be. So I'm um, really excited about that. And it looks like you guys are hitting all the, the high points for me. So uh, I didn't realize it was going to be pucks and paws, but I'll get all of the, the top things going on in San Jose. Really excited. Yeah, we, we've got to kind of just throw it all into one, into one bag so we can really entertain you. We've got a, a brand new building being built right now, but we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to check out the SAP center. And then I don't know if you have a chance to kind of swing by our practice rink as well and check out the new arena, but uh, a lot of stuff is going on right now. When it, when it, uh, it is when it, in regards to the American hockey thing, and what we've got on tap, I want to talk about your role. This is your first season um, as the VP of hockey ops for the American hockey league. Um, what a, what a fabulous hire. I know everybody was really excited when you came on board and I'm sure you're still getting your feet under you and things are still going hundred miles per hour, but give us an idea what the day-to-day entails of your role as the VP of hockey ops for the AHL. 
Yeah, no, it's been uh, definitely quite a whirlwind. Um, I just hit the one year mark in the role. And, um, and of course, we're just living through unprecedented times. So no day is the same, I would say, in my role. But um, I have an awesome group that we work with here um, based out of Springfield in our AHL offices. And um, our hockey operations crew is uh, is great. And everyone is kind of in an all hands on deck mentality. Um, we wear a lot of different hats here at the AHL and everyone has their hand in many different things. But um, I oversee our officiating program, our supplemental discipline, um, a lot of our COVID protocols and in arena protocols, et cetera. So um, as you can imagine with the, the schedule kind of the way that it is, um, it's every day is, is a little bit different, but um, there's a lot going on at, at any given point as well. So going into next year, looking ahead a little bit, and we all hope that uh, COVID continues to be in the rearview mirror, although it's turned its ugly head a couple of times this year and affected scheduling. But for the most part, things have have rolled along this season. Looking ahead, though, as you're able to get away maybe from the impact of COVID-19 affecting not only attendance and our all-star game was postponed again this year, but all that uh, has kind of went into it. Next year, will things kind of begin if we're able to get beyond this and again have it in our rearview mirror? How will things kind of settle down for you? And will there be a little bit more of a, I would say, consistency on a day to day basis with the job? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'll get into a little bit more of a rhythm, and I've already seen that as time has progressed here. But, um, you know, as I've continued to learn about uh, the role itself and, um, and, you know, how we can best support our teams, I think I've, uh, kind of understood ways that we, I can continue to, to have an impact and change and improve and, and progress things as well. So um, it's, you know, one, getting used to what my day-to-day operations are, and then two, like, what, where can I go from there? And, you know, what can we do to continue to evolve and improve? So um, there are definitely some steps that we've taken forward in that sense this year, and um, some things that I'd love to implement starting with this, you know, the start of next season as well. So just continuing to look really at development and, you know, as the AHL where, you know, that's our, our role here. And um, that goes for our officials as well. It goes for our teams and, and what can we really do to continue to work to develop on that side of things. And there's a lot more that I think we can continue to do from the league level. So whether you're working for the league or for an individual team, I think everybody that works in pro sports and hockey in general, you've got to have a major passion for the sport. You played collegiate hockey at Brown. You've been in management roles. You've been in coaching roles. Now you're working for the American Hockey League. But I want to go way back. When did the passion first get ingrained? When did you fall in love with the sport? Oh, it was so early for me. Um, I started, you know, I have an older brother. He played hockey. Um, I started playing, you know, street hockey with him when I was really young. I got on the ice when I was around two or three and um, I started playing hockey when I was four. So I, I fell in love with the sport immediately. Um, I made my parents kind of truck me all over the place. I played on three youth teams all at the same time. I would finish a game and then make my parents take me to public skating so I could stay on the ice. Um, so I fell in love with it really young and uh, it's kind of fueled me the whole way here. So nowadays it's probably a little bit more common to look and see female hockey players that you can idolize. But when you were a young kid, was there a female hockey player that you looked up to or there NHL players that you idolized and wanted to be like? It was both definitely, um, you know, to start off, I was like the only girl who was playing hockey in my town. And then, um, you know, I didn't really have too many other people to look to. I, you know, I, 
grew up in the Boston area. I watched the Bruins. I was a you know diehard Bruins fan. And um, I loved Sergei Samsonov. He was my favorite player for a long time uh, until I started seeing women playing the game too. And, uh, you know, that 98 uh, Olympics was huge for me um, as a young girl playing hockey and to see those women on, on the world stage competing. Um, you know, obviously Cammy Granado is, is a huge piece of that puzzle, but um, my hero growing up was uh, Sandra White, who was a member of that team. She lived in the, the town next to me. So she was just so close and um, it was kind of a, a tangible thing for me to see my neighbor, um, you know, competing as part of Team USA. And, and she was my idol growing up. Where do you see the sport at right now in the health of women's hockey? We know there's a professional hockey league uh, now for women that you worked in. We'll go into that in a little bit. Of course, we're just coming off the Olympics, which is always exciting. The U.S. and, of course, Canada playing in the gold medal game. But where do you see women hockey and the state of women ho- women's hockey? And where do you see it going over the next couple of years? Yeah, it's so exciting to see the growth, the momentum right now, as you mentioned, coming off the Olympics. Like the time is now for the sport to really make some big strides forward. Um, But for me, you know, to kind of reflect on how much growth has already happened is is really kind of special. And, um, you know, I, I think about the number of opportunities that I had growing up and then I had when I was in college and then, you know, after college and now to look back and see how many more opportunities there are for women, you know, whether it's at the youth level, collegiately, professionally, um, there's so many more opportunities now. And I'm, you know, I'm far removed from the game, but I'm not that far removed in terms of, you know, when I last played. Um, So I think that the strides forward that have already been taken, you know, within the past 20 years are are so significant that um, it's really exciting to see where the game is going here. Um, But what we're going to see a huge shift in um, continuing to kind of take the momentum off the Olympics right now. And uh, I think that there are more eyes on the sport right now than ever. Well, I got to ask, are you ever getting still on the ice? Do you play in any adult leagues or are you still lacing them up? I do every chance I get. Um, it's definitely hard during our season. So I'm on the ice more in the off season, um, but I, I still love playing the game more than I you know, ever did. And um, any chance I get to hop on the ice, I'm there. We're talking to Haley Moore. She's the VP of Hockey Ops for the American Hockey League. In her first now, you you just said you mentioned uh, you just finished up basically your first year. So congratulations. You got a year officially under your belt. And just to add a, a little extra adversity, of course, you're going through a global pandemic when you, you took on the job. Uh, you played again. You played at Brown. Then you, you were an assistant coach for a little bit at Boston University. So you've coached, you've played, you've been in a front office role. When did you come to the point in your life when you realized that you wanted to have a career in hockey? When did that seem like it was something that was obtainable as well? When did that passion start to brew within yourself? Great question, because it was kind of a a transition and a a process for me. Like for so long, I I loved playing the game and that was really the only place I saw myself fitting. Um, You know, even when I was in college, I was thinking like, oh, there's going to be somewhere for me to continue to play. Like I, I just... I had my blinders on and I didn't think that my playing career was ever going to end, even though deep down I knew it would. Um, so it, it was kind of a transition for me to understand like what other opportunities really there were in the game. And, and I thought coaching was the only path. If you, if you weren't playing, then you were coaching. And it's cause I didn't really see, 
I didn't see these opportunities. I didn't see women in operations roles or in management roles or whatever you may have. And, um, and that's why it's so important to have representation and for these doors to continue to open. Um, so it was a little bit of a process for me. And you know, as I mentioned, got into coaching, but um, you know, I, I love the operation side of the game. I love learning about how the, all the pieces of the puzzle fit together and, and um, you know, that kind of process happened a lot for me when the NWHL came about and um, you know, that league being born, really helped me understand where my strengths were and it helped really develop me as a professional to, to have the experience as a general manager, as a team president, as a league deputy commissioner, I I got that experience and, um, and really fell in love with everything behind the scenes. Do you see there being any sort of limits to where you could take your career? Do you have any long-term goals? And I don't know if you want to divulge that, but is you know, now that things have opened up for you over the last handful of years and your career has continued to grow and you've built that equity, does it feel like there is no limit to where you could go and, and where, where do you see yourself maybe in the future? Where, where would this ceiling be for you? And maybe there is no ceiling. Yeah, I hope there's no ceiling for me and for everyone else. Um, but, you know, each step of my career, I, I've kind of always tried to focus on where I'm at and just learning you know, to have as much of an impact where I am to really embrace the position that I'm in and not look too far ahead. Um, And that's really helped actually open doors for me that I didn't know existed. Um, So I just try to focus on that, focus on the task at hand, building relationships, looking to have an impact, continuing to learn and and push myself and and then see what happens from there. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say there's any one like lofty long-term goal. I just, I want to continue to have an impact on the game to serve the game. Um, It gives me so much joy to be able to work in the game that I love. So um, wherever that road leads me, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see, but also happy to just continue to be where I'm at. So what would you say would be the message to a young girl who's first getting into the sport, first falling in love with the sport, just as you did uh, when you were a child, what would the message be to them if, if they have doubts that maybe there isn't a role for them in hockey and that it's just, you know, for men, what would be the message to a young girl getting into the sport? Yeah. The biggest thing is just that you do belong, you know, Um, I think that there have been so many times in my life where people have told me that I don't belong and my parents were so supportive from day one. Um, They never questioned whether or not they should be bringing me to a hockey tryout or to applying to a school or whatever it may be. Um, So you do belong and there's, you know, there's really no limit to what you're capable of. So if you're passionate, um, just enjoy your time and uh, and pursue your passion and the, the doors will open for you. We mentioned there's going to be a couple of female officials working the game on Sunday. What do you make of the hiring of 10 women as officials in the American Hockey League this past offseason? It's one thing, I think, to, to work in specific roles. To be on the ice, though, be in the game as an official, I think is just incredible. So what do you make of it, given the fact that, that women are starting to get an opportunity from an officiating standpoint as well? Yeah, I think when people see them on the ice, they're kind of blown away by uh, their skill and their their skating specifically. So I'm excited for uh, those women to showcase that in San Jose this weekend. But, um, you know, I'm just so excited for them. They've earned the opportunity and uh, been on the NHL's radar for a long time. They've been a part of, you know, the NHL officiating combine. They've done the training. Uh, This is their passion. And so I'm just I'm so thrilled to be able to support them and um, for, you know, young boys and girls everywhere to see. Uh, them on the ice is so important as well. 
Well, I want to ask you went to Brown Ivy League school. What was your major uh, when you were attending Brown University? Um, it was human biology. So uh, was in, into the sciences when I was in school. So when you chose that as your major, I'm assuming you weren't thinking hockey at that moment. So what about the sciences kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I was so focused on playing hockey in college as well, but I knew, you know, I, I need to choose something to study. And um, I thought human biology was so cool because I could learn about how the body worked and I could apply that to sports. So, um, you know, I really had no idea what I wanted to pursue long term, but I, I felt like it was fascinating to me to, to learn about the body more and kind of uh, apply that to my sport. Um, so that's kind of where, um, where my interest was peaked and, um, it obviously is not what I'm necessarily pursuing right now, but I think it helps, especially during these COVID times, understand some of the, the bigger picture conversations that we're talking about. So you, so you work for the Boston Pride, the National Women's Hockey League. It's now known as the Premier Hockey Federation. So they've since changed the name since you worked in the league. Um, you were in a front office role. Again, we mentioned that you've played and you, you've been a coach. So what has been the biggest difference between working for an individual club and now seeing it from more of a global perspective, working for a league You're working for the American Hockey League? So what has been the biggest difference between moving from a singular team to working for an, a league? Yeah, the biggest difference at the league is obviously that you have a lot more uh, people to worry about to a certain extent, especially, you know, going from, for me, a six-team league to a 31, soon to be 32-team league, essentially. Um, there's just, you know, there's a lot of different personalities, a lot of different things to manage. Um, but I think coming from a team environment, I have a good perspective on, you know, the struggles and, um, and challenges that our teams face on a day-to-day -day basis. And I try to have that perspective and, and maintain that perspective through my role at the league. Um, but there's, you know, I, th I think a lot of similarities between working at the AHL and working at uh, a women's professional league where, you know, we don't have necessarily the resources that the NHL does um, or, you know, a league of that stature. And uh, we wear a lot of different hats. And I think that working at the league level, you just you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to help in any different capacity and, um, you know, just kind of be a tight knit team here ourselves. What do you, where do you see the American Hockey League? You mentioned we're going to 32 teams next year. We're going to go Coachella Valley into the mix so that the Pacific Division just continues to grow. We're still kind of working our way out of a global pandemic. But as you look at the league as a whole, where do you see the health of the American Hockey League at this point coming out of the pandemic and continuing to try to grow and get stronger moving forward? Yeah, I think we're just continuing to develop. Obviously, I hope that we keep adding teams on the West Coast. So I have warmer trips um, planned in my my travel schedule. Um, but no, I, I think uh, across the board, just we're continuing to evolve. We're continuing to push the boundaries um, in terms of resor adding resources to our teams. Um, obviously, expanding playoffs this season is huge. Um, and I'm really excited to experience that. I, I haven't gone through, um, you know, a formal Calder Cup playoff series and um, really looking forward to experiencing that. But um, I think it's going to be great development for our players. More teams involved in playoff action is just, you know, a great development opportunity for um, not only our players and our teams, but for our officials who I work closely with as well. Um, so I think that there's just a, a lot of uh, excitement ahead and, and of course, the schedule unification going into next season as well. So um, I think we're continuing to work together as the whole and, um, you know, obviously working to continue to develop everyone across the board.
Yeah, I'm looking forward to the playoffs expanding as well because it gives more opportunity for for teams to be in the mix late in the season. More playoff hockey, I think uh, everybody will take it. Uh, Haley Moore, we we cannot thank you enough for the insight, uh, telling us a little bit about your story. We look forward to meeting you in the flesh this uh, upcoming Sunday for Hockey is for Everyone night at the SAP Center. Uh, continued success, best luck down the road, and again, we look forward to meeting you. And thank you for the time. Thank you. I can't wait to be there this weekend. A big thank you to Haley Moore and a reminder the Barracuda are back at home this upcoming Sunday, March 6th against the Tucson Roadrunners. And Sunday is also our final Pucks and Paws game. For full details, head to sjbarracuda.com. A reminder the Barracuda are back on the ice this upcoming Saturday against the Stockton Heat with a 6 o'clock scheduled puck drop against the Calgary Flames affiliate. We'll have pregame coverage at sjbarracuda.com slash listen beginning at 5.30 and you can watch the game on ahltv.com. That'll do it for this episode of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying thanks for listening and so long until next time.